Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I'm Ting. I'm Mike. And what are we doing today, Mike? We are going to talk about The Witness. So this is a real book club episode. Are you going to tell us that there'll be plenty of spoilers? There will be spoilers for The Witness. Spoilers for The Witness. <laughs> spoilers for The Witness. Are you happy now, Ting? I am, but no arms this time, though. No, because <laughs> we just agreed if I hold up my arms, you have to do a dance. Um, <laughs> that's true. So we're going to talk about The Witness. And if you don't want to be spoiled for anything in The Witness, then you should play The Witness before listening to this episode. As a side note, you sound particularly... Is haughty the right word? Haughty? What the fuck does haughty mean? What do you mean by haughty? Like, pompous and self-important? Yes. Do I? Particularly today, yeah. You've got the right authoritative tone. I've got the right authoritative tone to talk about a game by Jonathan Blow. You do? Yeah, you're on it today. I'm, I'm on excited. It. Let's get on with it. Okay, so, let's begin. So the first item I wanted to cover was the learning curve. I wanted to call it an arc rather than a curve, but same difference. An arc and a curve. An arc is like a segment of a circle, I guess, and a curve is obviously arbitrary. So that's why I called it an arc. Because you think it plateaus? Or because you think it's consistent? Because it returns back to its original point. I, I would say you've overthought this, but it's a game by Jonathan Blow, so it's probably appropriate. What I did is I just compared it to learning to drive a car. It starts off with, you open on an island, everything is new, you're exploring, you're learning, and then you, your eyes are open to the opportunities. But at some stage in that development, you'll get stuck, and it'll become painful, and you'll struggle, and then you try to figure out whether it's worth it anymore, whether it's worth pursuing, whether you're enjoying it, is it worth the struggle, do you want to send an email to Jonathan Blow? What, wait, what? Did, did you contemplate sending an email to Jonathan Blow? Or tweeting at him, this is bullshit. I've, I read an article where a journo has, um, has emailed or went through the process of constructing an email then three minutes later realising, I have the answer now. Now I've, I've thought about it and tried to this is, put this it is, to paper. This is rubber ducking. <laughs> this is like rubber duck coding where when you, the act of trying to explain what the problem is makes you realise the solution. Yes, and that's what they've done. And then after all that pain and suffering, when you've got um, a good feel for all the rules and the logic, you're enjoying yourself again. And you're just ready for whatever the witness throws at you. I mean, that's been my journey through it. And I finished it. I'm impressed you actually finished it. I'm both impressed and surprised and happy that you actually finished it. In terms of my view of the progression... So the witness does a good job of forcing you to learn the mechanics of the game without rubbing it in your face with an explicit tutorial, without saying, oh, this is a puzzle. Press X to activate the line and then draw the line from the circle to the to the semicircle. I don't know how to describe the end of the line. The nub. The nub. Yeah, the nub is probably a good way to describe it. For none of the puzzles in the witness does it explicitly tell you how to solve it. It just very strongly implies what you should do to begin with you're forced to solve a puzzle at the end of a tunnel and that shows you 
the circle and the nub, which is really the, the crux of the whole thing. And then you're essentially trapped in this fort where it will force you to do some more basic puzzles and reveal to you things like you can't draw the line if it's physically obstructed. If you can't see the line, then you can't draw it. And then after you deactivate the laser grid and escape the fort, then that's when the whole game opens up and you can go essentially anywhere. And that's the interesting thing, because it's not like a Metroidvania where you're unlocking abilities. The only abilities you unlock are in your own mind. So it's not like, oh, I can't do this puzzle until I get the double jump or super missiles or the speed booster or, say, the ability for a line to cross itself. You never get any additional abilities like that. It's more just that you look at a puzzle and later on you'll understand what what the symbols on that puzzle mean and then you'll be able to solve it. So those are the the phases of the game. There's the initial tutorial phase. There's being taught the mechanics by basic sets of puzzles where you have no choice but to learn the mechanics, leveling up your own brain. And then another kind of phase change happens when you discover there are environmental puzzles as well. So these are the essentially the obelisk puzzles. You see these black obelisks that are just making this ominous humming noise when you get near them. And there's no indication as to what they're for. Essentially, hidden in the environment, sometimes hidden by tricks of perspective, are the basic circle and nub puzzles. Did you not know this? No. The first one I actually saw, I didn't actually solve because I was looking at it from the wrong perspective. But I, I saw it and I thought, oh, this looks like one of the puzzles on the grid, but just in the environment. And I clicked on it and it started sparkling and making this like fizzing noise. I was like, oh, this is a thing. But I couldn't draw the line to the end, to the nub, because I couldn't see the nub because I wasn't standing at the right perspective. And I actually just assumed, oh, this is something I'm going to unlock later. This is going to be some ability I unlock later. So I'm going to ignore it. And I never thought to try and shift my perspective. But a little while later, I climbed to the top of the mountain. And I think this is where the game is expecting you to learn it because there is a panel on the top of the mountain that's in the shape of the river. And I clicked the panel and drew the river. And I was expecting it to do something like stop the river, but it didn't. And then I thought, oh, that's funny. It didn't do anything to the river. But I looked down at the river and saw that the river had a big circle on the front of it as well. And I clicked it. And then the river started fizzing and I drew the line on the river. And the whole thing like sparkled and exploded in all these shining motes of light went and flew into an obelisk and that's when i realized that's what the obelisks are for i didn't look at the river when i did that okay there's a whole other class of puzzles these environmental puzzles that essentially fill in the obelisks it seems i'm really not paying attention when i play these games but, but that, i mean that's the interesting thing about this is what do those puzzles actually get you as far as i can tell nothing because There are two endings to the game. There's the standard ending, which you need seven lasers for. And then there's the secret ending, which you can actually do at the very start of the game before you've solved the laser grid. Or you can do at the very, the very, very end of the game. Because if you get 11 lasers, it will teach you how to reactivate the grid, which gives you another opportunity to do it. I was thinking, is there going to be a third ending for solving all the obelisks as well? But I don't think there is. I think it's literally just for your own pride. 
and I haven't done it. I've only done a handful of the environmental puzzles. Do we want to then talk about at what point during that process or that journey, at what stage did you enjoy it? What you said in your notes are very different to what you've got at the end. So obviously there's been a change of how you view the witness. Before you become disillusioned into what was really behind the curtain, and surely at some stage before that you really thought, fucking hell, this is a really spot on game. It was hitting all the notes you wanted to hit. And then at some point, the thing is, yeah, you, you walk out of the first tutorial area after you've got the laser grid and the whole island is open before you. Yeah. And you have literally no idea what to expect on this island. It could be anything. Yeah. It could be Dark Souls, for all you know. I was actually very, very concerned in a lot of places because there's just the ambient sound. I was actually really worried there was going to be a jump scare, like something was going to jump out or there would be something chasing me, like Pyramid Head or something. You know, that could have been in the game. I genuinely had no idea what to expect because I wanted to go into it completely blind and I avoided all spoilers. So for a lot of the game, I was actually really worried about jump scares and there are several points in the game where I could swear I could hear footsteps in the ambient sounds and that freaked me out a lot what it actually transpires is the game is literally 500 ish of these puzzles yahtzee zero punctuation guy described it as cereal box puzzles if you just can't fucking get enough cereal box puzzles you'll love the witness it's not like there are other kinds of puzzles and people will go oh there's the environmental puzzles the obelisk puzzles duh there's other puzzles yes and no i mean those puzzles are just like a they're kind of just like a bonus. They're just like a perspective trick and a toy. They're not the fundamental core of the game. Those puzzles aren't really puzzles. They're just, can you see this shape in the sky or in the... There's nothing to solve there. The trick is just seeing them from the correct angle. They're not like the actual, the grid puzzles, the cereal box puzzles. And that's the thing. Are you the sort of person who enjoys cereal box puzzles? I mean, fortunately I am. But even then, there's kind of two distinct types. There are the puzzles that have symbols on, and this is the kind where I'm saying you're levelling up your brain. You might go to a puzzle grid and see a load of Tetris blocks or a load of stars or a load of things that you don't understand. You'll look at the grid and think, I have no idea what to do here. And sometimes you'll poke around at it and you'll be able to infer what those symbols mean, and then you'll be able to solve those puzzles from now on. Usually there's a tutorial error for each symbol, which kind of forces you to understand the mechanic by giving you a set of very simple puzzles of that symbol that very strongly imply what their meaning is. And then there's a whole other class of puzzle, which is a different flavour of environmental puzzle. So you'll have a grid and it will look like you can just go to the end, but it will go and tell you you did it wrong. And in those puzzles, essentially, there's no indicator for what the correct route is. You have to then infer it from the environment somehow by walking through a maze and hearing the different crunch of gravel or by looking at the shadows that the trees cast on it or seeing, like getting the tint of the sun just right so you can see scratches over the, the surface. Personally, I did not enjoy those puzzles so much. I, they're clever. They're using the environment of the island, and, and the island itself is a very interesting part of the game. But for me, I think I enjoy the, the more logical puzzles more. And you? Well, I answered this with more of a time and place thing where 
it was only when I opened up the island and it was the opportunity and the potential of what was there. That was when I enjoyed it most, when I was still learning things, picking things up. But you raised a really interesting point about waiting for a jump scare or knowing there was some mystery to the island and therefore being on your toes throughout. And then this is something I'll touch upon later, actually. The first time you see a statue, because there are a lot of statues of people around the island as well. And the first time you see one of those statues and think, what's this? Is it a person who's been petrified or is it literally a statue? The island itself has a lot of character and the island itself does make you think. It's quite funny because I think we talked in a previous podcast about symbolism in games and I feel like The Witness is nothing but symbolism. It's just like beating symbolism into your skull with a hammer. There's some guy who appears to be just throwing his hands up in, you know, why, 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 why. But actually, if you look at the shadow, it looks like he's juggling rocks and he's juggling and the look on his face is actually one of joy or another guy who seems to be reaching up for a chalice. Then if you look at his shadow, instead, it appears that the chalice is already in his hand. There's all sorts of funny symbolism going on. The witness, the environment, the island works on many different levels. But this is what people wanted. This is what people were expecting from Jonathan Blow, I think. They know that he's a guy who thinks intensely about everything he does. And I think the people who, certainly on the witness subreddit... They're looking for meaning in absolutely everything. And to the point where they're going slightly mad, I think some people were even like looking at numerology and going, oh, well, if you look at Jonathan Blow and the numerology of his name is 668 and we found 664 puzzles, there must be four puzzles we haven't found yet. It's like, it might just be a coincidence, man. That's a powerful following you have there. Once you can, once you, once you convince your audience that you're thinking that intensely into the whole process and then they start looking for things which may or may not be there. You've earned that as a creator. He really has earned it, it seems. <laughs> he, has, he has this mad reputation. I think the thing is, because Jonathan Blow is actually a very transparent person when it comes to game design. I think he's a very opaque person when it comes to his life in general. I think his presence on the internet is very much focused on his work. But when it comes to his work and his views on computer games... He does many presentations. He's, he will say exactly why he's doing things and why he thinks certain things are good and certain things are bad and certain things are just offensive. Whether you agree with him or not, you can see that he does think very deeply about everything he does. And that is why he has this reputation, I think. And everyone's hanging off every word he says because it's probably loaded and dripping with meaning and symbolism. I did want to talk about pacing. What did you think? I think I probably had a similar-ish experience to you because you talked about the most fun bits being when you're learning and when things are opening up to you and you're just constantly discovering new things and new things and new things. And because you can go anywhere on the island, to begin with, I was just burning through it. And then I hit the village. And the village is kind of like a greatest hits of the island where it just gives you really difficult versions of puzzles elsewhere on the island. And obviously, I had no idea how to solve any of them. So I think I did solve, I solved one of them because it was essentially a puzzle that was possible to solve without knowing a lot of the other symbols. And then I thought, okay, so I should be able to do this. And I wasted a lot of time in the village trying to fruitlessly figure out how to solve 
things I hadn't learned yet. And it was only when I eventually gave up on the village and just wandered off somewhere else that things really opened up again. But I think on the whole, the pacing is pretty good. Most of the areas, with the exception of the village and the mountain, the areas are also quite self-contained. And they do a good job of teaching you their mechanic, their secret, giving you a graceful curve up to their eventual solution, which will activate the laser. Is that your view of it, or did you find it? Now looking back at it, okay, originally I, I said that um, the pacing is off, and that it came to a stage where I didn't really want to finish it, knowing, even though I knew I could finish it. But then there were a couple of cases where you just looked for the solution. Can I say that? That's true. And at that point I thought, maybe he's just, there's just fatigue setting in. Where I, I think you're right, fatigue is the right word. Then I've added a disclaimer here saying it's because maybe it's because I don't finish many games. Therefore, I don't know what it feels like to finish a game. Maybe this is the natural state of mind you, you get to when you finish a game or come close to finishing a game because you're pushing yourself to the end. You know you're coming to the end and therefore you, you want to see the end, but you already know what you need to do to achieve the end. In the mountain, at essentially the end of the game, at that point, you know all the mechanics. Or at least, you know enough to finish. And again, knowing that there are no superpowers to unlock, everything is inherently solvable. And yet, there were two puzzles that I ran into where I thought, this is bullshit. And I could solve this, but it would take me freaking hours. Also, in my defence, I did have a fever and was bleeding out of many different holes. So, yes, there were two puzzles where I just looked at it and thought, I could solve this, but I don't want to spend the other next two hours trying to do so. I just need to finish this and then go back to bed. And interestingly enough, I happened to actually be watching you streaming it while you did those two puzzles. And looking at them when I was in a more lucid state... They weren't actually that bad. So I'm not quite sure what, what snapped in my brain when I saw them uh, that first time. So the two puzzles were the one in the mountain where you have to solve five panels simultaneously. So it begins with just a trivial puzzle where you've got one of the hexagons and you just have to run through it. And then it turns into a black and white separation puzzle. But you have to solve it at the same time as running through the hexagon and then becomes progressively more complicated from there. I got to, I think, the third panel, and then I just thought, F this, I'm going to look up the answer. And then, yeah, the final moment where my brain just snapped. And I'd kind of learned to recognise this trick in the mountain where they give you a puzzle and it's just too easy. They'll show you something and it's just too easy. You think, oh, this is trivial. And then become intensely worried because... If they give you an easy puzzle, it's actually because they're setting you up for a fucking hard puzzle. So the final one was where there's the four panels on the floor with the you're allowed to get one wrong symbol. And you have to pick four Tetris blocks and then do a symmetry puzzle that solves those Tetris blocks. So it's it's all these puzzles where you have to solve multiple puzzles simultaneously, basically. I just, (laughs) I I think something in me just broke when I saw that. You also mentioned the the puzzle at the top of the mountain that opens the entrance into it. 
it's funny looking back these are all puzzles that i encountered late at night when i was ill and i think my body was screaming at me to go to sleep and my brain was like no i want to keep playing the witness uh, that was another puzzle where i looked at it and thought do they seriously expect me to do this it's one of those times where i've i was questioning myself is this puzzle really solvable and I essentially just had to go on faith that every puzzle up to now has been solvable, so this one will be too. But you have to stand at a very particular angle to be able to solve it. It's quite unlike a lot of the other puzzles in the game. You had no trouble with that then. You just did it like it was nothing. There's three paths you have to create. It took me effort to get the first one. Once I got the first one... Yeah, same thing. Once I got the first one, it's like, okay, this is solvable. But it wasn't that hard to get the first one. Getting the second and third one were quite tricky, so I started approaching it by shifting my perspective in 45 degree increments intentionally. So that gives me eight perspectives, and I realised maybe I was standing too close. Took a step back, so that created 16 combinations. And Just by working through each one, I was able to solve the second and third route. But by that stage, I had become very comfortable with using my notebook, which is something you refuse to do, it seems. I did have a scrap of paper that I was scribbling things on, but I thought I took quite a lot of notes. But I realise now, actually, compared to all the other people I've seen, I took very few notes. Yeah, I essentially had like an A5 piece of paper that was just lying around on my desk. And I just scribbled on that a bit. But I've seen a lot of other people had cutouts of, say, Tetris blocks and were and Photoshop. And I didn't do any of that. I solved most of it in my head. So, it was, so with the five simultaneous puzzles... It was easy for me because I just drew them in the same grid on in my notebook. And I realise now, that's what I should have done. That is what I should have done. Rather than go, fuck this and look up the solution. I blame the fever. You talk about what you found difficult. What I found difficult were the jungle puzzles with the, the birds. I was struggling through this and my girlfriend just walked past and she was quite interested in what I was playing because it was just these birds tweeting. And I said, it's, I just have to work out the tone and I just draw the wave. And she helped me out. Because the most infuriating thing about that stage is puzzle resets. So you can't brute force it. When I enrolled her, that thing was painless. She'd get it in one every time. But from speaking to you, you managed to get these in one every time as well. I also played piano when I was young. So maybe I've got better pitch recognition than you. I don't know. I played piano when I was young. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's why. It's like Asian children. <laughs> but I didn't get very far. Maybe this is why. I, mean, I got to grade five. Oh, grade two. Okay, fine then. <laughs> okay. Actually, this is an interesting point because The Witness is the most disability unfriendly game. I, I heard some great thing where it's like, yeah, The Witness, it's a great puzzle game unless you're colorblind or tone deaf. It's cruel. It relies very heavily on you having normal vision and sound perception because i needed you to give me a hint that i should be even putting the audio up for some puzzles because for the witness i didn't listen to the audio because there is no audio to listen to or so i thought i mean i can imagine say the greenhouse puzzles being basically impossible if you're colorblind yeah it's quite funny in this era of being more progressive and more friendly to there's much greater awareness, certainly of, say, colorblindness. Um, the witness is extremely unfriendly. They should probably put a warning on it saying you will not be able to finish the game if you're colorblind. 
if you think about it, was it predictable that there was something behind the curtain? To me, looking back, it seemed quite predictable that there was always going to be something behind the curtain at the end. What is behind the curtain then, Ting? That is a good question. Because I've got to admit, I don't know. Okay, so things aren't what they seem. Are they not? No, they're not. Go on. Okay, so I've not... The, okay, the problem is here, is I've not seen as much of The Witness as you have. So I can only go on with what I know, or what I've seen. And it's, you're in some dreamscape. You're in some resort, but even the resort isn't real. Because it doesn't follow reward physics. So, I am very torn. I'm really on the fence. I can't decide whether the witness is incredibly deep and incredibly clever, and there's a deep, deep meaning that I'm just poking at the fringes of and I can't quite grasp, or whether it's pretentious bullshit and it's just the whole thing is like an elaborate trick to make it feel like there's something there. But really, it's just wankery and nonsense. That seems quite harsh. Because can it not be something that's deep and clever without having something that ties it all up? So that's the thing. When it comes to understanding the witness, what is going on? Does there have to be anything? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think going into the witness, I was expecting there to be a story. I was expecting there to be some kind of narrative. And I don't think there really is. I think there are messages and there are themes and it kind of forces your brain to work in a kind of way that makes you think about certain worldviews and points of view or forces your brain to move through channels that kind of make you see things the way Jonathan Blow does, perhaps. Those three things sound so vague. It's like you're not saying anything at all. Because and this is what I mean, is it, or is it all pretentious bullshit? Why, why, how does a witness force you to see, to change your worldview or challenge your worldview? Because there's, okay, but in an, in an, ab- an abstract way, because by looking closely in your environment, you can see other things. That is actually a concrete example of something really funny. Like I saw some really funny videos after I finished the witness of people who start to see witness puzzles in real life. And I saw a really funny one where there's like a disabled sign and it starts with them poking the guy's head and moving around like the wheelchair to the end and because the disabled sign is on one of those push for the door to open buttons they they trace the symbol and they look to the right and the door opens and it's like oh you solved the puzzle but no that's not actually what i meant an example of when you're kind of being channeled to think a certain way there's an ominous door when you come out of the fort so just after you leave the tutorial area there's a white door that kind of goes into a bunker and you look at it and it's a much harder puzzle than you've had to solve in the tutorial area. In fact, it's using a mechanic that you don't know how to solve at that point. It's the black and white square separation simultaneously with the going through the hexagonal dots. So when you first encounter this door, you can't get through it. But you can, because actually, if you think about it, it's not that hard. Well, but it's a much harder puzzle. And so... You can either go and learn the black and white mechanic straight away and then come back to it. Or I suppose if you're feeling really ballsy, you can just try and solve it. And and you can. I suppose you can probably infer that I should separate the black and white squares. 
And when you solve it, it leads you down into a bunker and there's a lockbox that you open and it will reveal to you a piece of paper with a symbol on it that makes no sense. But you know it must be something important. So I took a screenshot of it. An hour later into the game, you come across the windmill. And you solve the windmill, and the puzzle's very elegant. The solution to the puzzle looks like a windmill, uh, which I thought was very nice. And then you go down underneath the windmill into these tunnels, and you reveal... Well, you reveal a theatre, a room with a projector and speakers. Six deactivated panels, and a seventh panel with an elaborate pattern drawn on it, with multiple start and end points. And, of course... You can trace the pattern, but it doesn't do anything. And then you think back, I've seen a symbol on this piece of paper that I revealed an hour ago, and I think I could probably draw that symbol on, onto this maze. So, in my case, I brought up the screenshot, <laughs> drew that pattern, and suddenly everything sprang to life and the theatre turned on. A guy appears on the screen and goes, oh, that was interesting why would that pattern work and not another? And it's like, oh, what's this? It's speaking to me. And he gives a, quite a, an interesting and reasoned treatise on why science is more important than art. And he's talking about how when science is done, you're doing something that's true, whereas art is just someone's opinion. And then analysis of art is just your opinion about someone else's opinion. And so science is more important than art. It feels like the crux of it. Throughout the game, you will be discovering more of these patterns hidden behind, again, difficult, difficult puzzles, revealing these videos under the windmill. And as I said, you feel like they're a reward for, for doing something that's above and beyond. Certainly that, that very first one was very interesting to me and, and did make me think. And it made me think, ah, oh, is this the meaning of the witness? But there's kind of a spectrum of them because I think the first puzzle is very much about Science is more important than art. It's a very mechanical view of the world. But when you get to the final puzzle, it's very mystic and touchy-feely. The, the last video, the sixth video, which I think is hidden in a door that you find on the side of the mountain, it's, it's completely different. It's about letting things go and your ambitions and your hopes and your dreams. Just, just forget them and just be in the moment. And you can be happy right now by just stop striving just be in the moment and it's it's a completely different and opposite worldview but again it, you've worked so hard to see this video and your brain kind of just gets pushed into thinking this is something important this is something i should pay attention to or maybe that's just me wow i didn't think about it like that but how many of these did you unlock just that one. Just that one. So you never, you never saw the science is more important. That, yeah. that one, I think, was the most interesting one because, like I said, it, it starts out going... Well, that's no better a solution than any of the others, is it? It, it just fits so perfectly with me doodling on the grid and then thinking, oh, mate, I should use that symbol I saw earlier and the guy coming up and then speaking to me. It, it just worked so well. It was like a conversation with just me. I think it's actually, it's actually an old BBC video. So you think the videos are tied to the story? The greater narrative? I don't think there is a narrative. 
Actually, is that true in itself? This is the thing. I don't think there is a story with a beginning, middle and end in there. It's not like you're a person who's woken up on this island and you discover the meaning of the island and then you transcend it. It's not like, say, the Talos Principle, where, spoilers for the Talos Principle, where you discover, you know, you're an AI and you have to learn your independence to be embodied in the real world. And that's the Talos Project, because uh, humanity has died after some mysterious viral outbreak. It's not like that. There is a story to it, but it's not a traditional narrative with a beginning, middle and end. If you've seen the secret ending, which is another levelling up your brain thing, you can get the ending right at the very beginning of the game. But you wouldn't know to look for it until you'd finished the game and started seeing these environmental puzzles everywhere. Once you know these environmental puzzles exist, the obelisk puzzles, and you start looking for them, then you'll see one at the very beginning of the game because the sun will line up with the big tower that spikes out powering the laser grid and you'll realise, oh, I can, I can draw a line from the sun around the grid and that will reveal the, the hotel, which is this strange, breaking the laws of physics, non-Euclidean mess where you're kind of all around the island all at once and audio recordings that are essentially the credits of the game and then revealing that it was all what Jonathan Blow's dream and he's wired into some kind of VR or lucid dreaming machine and he has a jar of pee and he's throwing biscuits around and he loses one behind the uh, behind the cooker it's it's a strange ending and and is that the ending of the game is that the story of the game is it Jonathan Blow waking up after Deving the witness for seven years and finally being free and you can go and look at the sky and see the outside and he's forgotten what it is to do anything other than the witness that sounds quite good <laughs> perhaps i don't know another thing that gets pointed out is that the island itself obviously it's a fake construct it's a it's a virtual environment it's a computer game but within the space of the island the island is itself a fake fake island so the trees are painted the colors they're painted the waterfall is being pumped up there by machinery. Everything you're doing is being watched. There are monitors inside the island, inside the mountain, and inside the secret ending hotel that are showing various viewpoints of the island. The whole thing is an artificial island within an artificial game. I think what I take issue with is the label pretentious bullshit. <laughs> I feel that's something we've... No, the community has elevated it to that position. And it's not something that's the fault of Jonathan Blow at all. You're quite right there. It's not that Jonathan Blow is telling us that it's a work of art, it's a deep, deep piece of genius, and you have to strive to understand it. You're right, Jonathan Blow was just trying to make a good puzzle game. And it's everyone else who's trying to see this meaning in it. That is true. Sorry, is <laughs> all I can say. <laughs> Another thing about the windmill theatre, uh, it contains a classic, well, I say classic because he's now used it in two of his games, Jonathan Blow trope, where Jonathan Blow clearly does not value your time. There's a puzzle that requires you to sit for an hour of real time. That's kind of rude, just going to say. So it's one of these environmental puzzles where you see in the real world, well, sorry, you see in the world of the witness, the circle and the nub, not on a grid, and you have to draw out the symbol and it will go into an obelisk somewhere. This particular environmental puzzle 
there's a video that's over an hour long and it starts out with the moon at one side of the screen and it slowly tracks over to the other and eclipses. And the environmental puzzle requires you to start the video, click on the full moon, trace it round to the other side of the screen and wait for an hour for the moon to move over an eclipse so you can complete the puzzle. Admittedly, while listening to quite an interesting narrative, but it does require you to stand there for an hour. And in Braid, there was a similar puzzle with an extremely, extremely slow-moving cloud. So you've not done this one? No, I haven't done that Braid puzzle with the cloud, and I haven't done that one with the moon. I just thought I would point out, because it seems to now have become a classic Jonathan Blow trope, and maybe in every future game we should look out for a puzzle that requires multiple hours of sitting around to solve. (laughs) That's been the case with some of the other puzzles anyway. Actually, not literally. That's an exaggeration. With the other puzzles, it's just because you've not been good enough to solve them. With this one, you literally cannot solve it faster than, than this. I think something I mentioned was, would The Witness be better if, if there wasn't this entire meta? Can it be some light stroll through an island? That's an interesting question, actually. How would The Witness have been received if it was Jonathan Blow's first game? In its current form? In its current form. Do you think it would be getting the attention it's getting? Do you think it would be getting the analysis it's getting? Would people just go, it's 500 serial box puzzles, skip? No, because the serial box puzzles are really clever. The difference would be you just wouldn't have a community of people trying to pour over every detail. Yeah, I'm just curious because obviously... Games can just spawn communities. The Witness essentially had one pre-made of rabid Jonathan Blow fans. But if this had been Jonathan Blow's first game, would it have given him the following had he not already had it? It's yes. a question with no answer. So you think yes? Yeah, I, I think so. Regardless of whether the meta's there, the puzzles are definitely there. The whole process of learning, of going through learning a language is there. And it's very clever. There are moments where you applaud yourself, or applaud, not not yourself, the designer of the game. I can't dispute, the puzzles are well designed and well thought out. I, I did enjoy it. It is a good puzzle game. My issue was, if you removed all the meta, everything behind the curtain, the reveal at the end, could it have been better? What, what, and what are you considering the reveal at the end to be? The, the glass elevator? The Willy Wonka chocolate factory? Exactly. Because it's like coming to the end of a film, but there's still questions left on the table. It's like X-Files, the movie. You've watched the whole movie, but there's no satisfying conclusion. This is a question. This isn't a statement, I feel. I quite liked the Willy Wonka elevator at the end. It was, it was a surprise to me that it was the end already. I saw it appear and I thought, oh, is this the end? But... It's kind of like the being worried about a jump scare in reverse. I walked into the elevator and then I won't be so hyperbolic as to say it sent chills down my spine in a good way. But again, it was one of those things that made me think. It's like, have you seen Donnie Darko where they say, you know, cellar door is the most beautiful word in the English language. You know, cellar door, it sounds beautiful. And that's kind of what it made me feel when you get into the lift and you hear all the narrators 
saying, you know, a flickering lamp. A flickering lamp. A flickering, a flickering lamp. lamp. A flickering lamp. A star at dawn. A star. A star. At dawn. A star at dawn. At dawn. Again, it's kind of weird subliminal mental programming of just making you think of things and like forming connections in your brain between the experience of the witness and beautiful and fleeting things and this is what i mean about the witness being a is it pretentious or is it is it not and it's very smartly designed by association making you think of the island and and also these beautiful things these beautiful fleeting things okay <laughs> sorry i think i've lost you <laughs> i really want to ask you i really want to ask you have you actually watched donnie darko or have you managed to successfully just quote it no i've watched donnie darko okay fine i i watched donnie darko at release at an art house cinema at midnight suck on that <laughs> well i did well see <laughs> I didn't want to, I was just checking. Yeah. I remember Donnie Darko, as I said, watching a late night screening of Donnie Darko and walking out the cinema and turning to the friend I watched it with going, what did we just watch? With the bunny and the time. Have you seen Donnie Darko? Yeah, I've seen Donnie Darko. I actually really like Donnie Darko. Sorry. <laughs> I know what you mean about the witness sending chills down your spine. It does that successfully a few times. Sometimes with just the puzzles itself. I've just realised as well, actually, I don't necessarily mean chills down your spine. What's the word? What's the word for those? Yeah, they call them ASMR videos, for like autonomic sensory meridian response. These nonsense videos where it's just someone rhythmically tapping their fingers or something or doing something and it's supposed to make you feel like this weird buzz in your brain. But that is the kind of response that I got from the ending of The Witness where the people are saying those words. So you're responding to the audio? I think it's the whole experience of flying over the island and seeing it all resetting slowly, like all the work you've done going back to the state before, the lasers turning off, the gates shutting, and yeah, the, the strange spatial experience of from all around you, these people saying these phrases that are just, that have a particular cadence to them and a particular rhythm. Are you saying you achieved some high from that moment? I wouldn't describe it as a high, but I would describe it as a something unusual in your brain, like a different feeling to the day-to-day. -day. A satisfaction? Yeah, satisfaction. Like a, a feeling of closure and a feeling of a fleeting moment of achievement that's passed. That's interesting because I felt the complete opposite. Really? <laughs> what did I, you feel? I felt everything was resetting. It was undoing my achievement, my progress. That's what I mean by it's a fleeting thing. It's like a, a zen, like this, or the circle of life or something. It's very interesting because I, maybe I feel so, I feel so time poor that I just, I step like maybe two minutes in advance of what it was doing. I know what you're doing now. Please stop. Please stop now. <laughs> to be fair. Don't I shut did, that laser off. <laughs> I did immediately go and reload my save game from before I stepped in the lift and then go back into more puzzles. Yeah. So, Although I finished the game in about 12 hours, and admittedly I did, say, F it's two puzzles, I've in total spent, I think, more than 27 hours now in the game because I went and did the remaining four lasers I hadn't done, and then I did the challenge, which is in the optional area. We've not gone through the actual puzzle count. Is that something we care about? 
Uh, your personal puzzle count. Do you remember yours? 374. And mine's 494. Okay. But I've only done seven lasers. Yeah, so I've done all 11 and I've done the challenge. And the challenge was a real challenge, actually. I found it difficult. It took me over three hours to do it. Were you ill? No, I wasn't even I... ill at this point. It just, I just found it difficult. Which puzzles did you struggle on particularly? The problem with the challenge is, if you get stuck on a puzzle, it's basically over. Like, if you get stuck for a significant amount of time on the puzzle, you basically just don't have time to finish it. It's also unusual because, for the first time in the entire game, it gives you puzzles that can't be solved. There are two times in the challenge where it brings up a set of three puzzles and only one of them is solvable. So the challenge is not only to solve the puzzle, but to identify which of the three puzzles is solvable and solve that one. So they're the toughest part of the challenge? Yeah, I think that was the most difficult part because it's unusual. It's something that hasn't come up in the game up until that point. Mm -hmm. And because all of the puzzles are random... They've not been crafted by a human to have like a consistent level of difficulty. So sometimes you will just come across a puzzle that to the computer is just another puzzle within the confines of that grid, but to a human is really difficult to solve. Because, you know, your brain has certain heuristics for solving these puzzles, and they might just give you a puzzle that all your heuristics don't work on. And then you're just staring at it going, I know one of these three is solvable, but I can't identify which one it is. That makes perfect sense, because if I'm watching a YouTube video of someone solving it, it means that this easiest iteration has popped up. That's the thing, And yeah. therefore they've been able to complete it. It's like this really funny YouTube video of the, of the kid, and he just does a backflip and throws a basketball, and it perfectly goes through the hoop, and everyone just goes completely wild. It's like, wow, that was amazing. What you didn't see is that that was his, like, 300th attempt. But the, the challenge, that was fun, and it's the only point in the game that has music. I don't know how to close. I think we can close. Yeah, how do you want to close? We can summarise, as we always do. I think what I want to say is it's really easy to get distracted by the deeper meaning of The Witness. I think the puzzles in their own right are fantastic. There were moments when I was applauding the whole narrative of the puzzles themselves, actually. I think I can call it that. And I was left cold by the, the reveal at the end. But my disclaimer is here. Maybe it's because I'm a simpleton. For me, I had extremely high expectations for The Witness. Probably unfairly high expectations for The Witness. I did really enjoy it. After I finished it, I allowed myself to read Reddit to be spoiled for as many things as possible because... Again, knowing from Braid that there are puzzles in there that will, you just have to wait for two hours. I just, you know, I just don't want to do that. I have found it very interesting reading about all of the digging people have done, all the deeper meaning people have been trying to find. And as you say, I think it's unfair to expect the depth that some people are looking for in the game. Yeah, how to close. I enjoyed it. I hope I don't have to wait another seven years for Jonathan Blow's next game. Boom. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please. You can get in touch with us on email. Mike.and.ting 
at lostlevels.club. But the dots don't need to be there. Or oh, they do because it's at Lost Levels Club. And the dot- hover are Yeah, sorry. So to be clear, the dots do need to be there. And it's the word and not an ampersand because fuck hover. We're also on Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. And Reddit. Slash R slash Lost Levels Club. And we will be on Twitch more. Maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, yes. Yes, we will. And he's going to be sporting a, new, a nice new hat, probably. Or an old hat. <laughs> yeah, you telling me to wear a hat on Twitch? You want to wear a hat on Twitch. <laughs> I I know, I've decided I should channel my inner PlayStation Access man. I should get a badger puppet and just be balding. It's the future. I'll, I'll be like Harry Hill. Don't choose a badger. You can do better than a badger, I think. <laughs> better than a badger? Okay. It's too derivative if you're using a badger. I won't really use a badger. Okay. I just, I just think, I like Harry Hill. I liked Harry Hill. Sorry, this is a tangent. It'd be quite good if you had a soft toy and you just randomly started talking to your soft toy at, at moments of absolute anger. I need to get one now. An odd soft toy I can just, I can put next to me on my couch whilst I'm playing anything and just like shout at him. <laughs> when strangle him. Like, fucking talk my life out. <laughs> Can't do this. Or it can be like, like a voodoo doll of you. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck you, Dark Souls, <laughs> Sir Michael. <laughs> And like throw you at the wall. <laughs> um, that's it. Is that it? Wait, wait. We did. We did Reddit, Twitter, email, Twitch. Done. Done. Bye bye. Bye bye.